You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. Tonight, next week, and the following week, we're going to be uh, breaking down like the theology and the biblical reasons as to why we're doing this new model. It's always fun to create something new. It's always fun to uh, gear up when the excitement's high and start building things and seeing it come to life. But if we don't know why we're doing it, eventually we just kind of like, this is like three hours of service. What's the point? Like, why are we still going at this? So today is to kind of help you uh, get get the point. And today we're going to talk about the 9 a.m. hour. The Lord's breakfast is what we call it. Why do we get together around tables? Why do we create a cereal bar where people can come and get some food and sit around with us and have communion and get to know one another? Like, what is the biblical point of all that? And I mean, at first it seems pretty obvious, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. But food and the Bible actually go pretty deep. And we have been a dinner church before, so I get that a lot of this is old hat to you, but we're going to kind of rehash it out yet again. If you were to go into the Old Testament, you're going to see food come up a lot. Uh, God seems to really like food. Uh, Whenever he creates a new kind of celebration or a new kind of holiday, they're often called feasts. Uh, And then they start getting together to remember what God has done for them. So like the, the, one of the greatest old holidays of ever in the Bible, Passover. Passover was always connected to food. And the food that was on the table was always representative of what God had done. So they would see uh, this lamb. They think of the firstborns. They would see the, um, the unleavened bread. And they would remember how quick they had to go. That they didn't even have time to get dotarized. They just had to make bread and, and be ready to, ready for God to show up and, and get them to safety whenever he would show up. And as you continue throughout the Old Testament, you continually come across feasts and feasts and feasts and celebrations and celebrations and celebrations. Even worshiping God would become a feast of sorts. The idea was like he would take part of your, your um, sacrifice and you would give it to God, but... Oftentimes, like that, that sacrifice became food. It wasn't just burning meat for the sake of burning meat. No, the, the priests would eat of that. Uh, sometimes it seems that the people who brought the sacrifice would eat of that as though they have entered into God's presence. They have brought a sacrifice and now they are eating in his presence as though they are eating with God. And that was a common tactic within the Greek times of the New Testament as well. So food and God connected over and over again throughout the Bible. Now, for that reason, it shouldn't be shocking that when Jesus shows up, guess what he does? Eats with people all the time. I mentioned this before, but like there's actually like a commentary called like eating your way through the gospel of Luke because it's just that much food. It's Jesus's natural way of doing ministry. In the American church, the natural way of doing ministry is We're enlightened people, and therefore I have to convince you to believe Jesus is real. And if I've done that, then I've done ministry. That's not the way that Jesus went about it. He walked around. He used 
the gifts that the Holy Spirit had empowered him with to heal people. The masses would show up. And then oftentimes he would eat with them. Jesus would eat with people so much that it became ridiculous. Like, I tried to imagine some of the stories. Like, ah, Zacchaeus up in that tree there. Coming to your house today. Well, why? I want to eat some food. (laughs) Oh, okay. You know, like, just invite yourself right over, Jesus. You know, he just calls him right in. Likewise, he'll be sitting in uh, an isolated place with 4,000 people. Hey, disciples, why don't you feed these people? Say, what now? Oh, they're hungry. Let's eat. Oh, they can go home and eat. Nah, let's feed them. Like, Jesus goes to, like, supernatural lengths to feed people. And even in that story, you see Jesus becoming bread for people. He's the new manna. In the Old Testament, manna rained down from heaven in isolated, deserted places so God could feed people. In the New Testament, the manna of heaven comes straight from the Son of God himself, passing it out. Come eat, come eat, come eat. He ate with his friends. So much so that his friends who were very close to him felt comfortable reclining on his bosom. That's what the Bible said. As he eats around the table with the disciples whom he loves. He ate with his enemies. He ate with Pharisees who judged him harshly and tried to get him killed. He ate with Judas, even giving Judas communion. Saying, this is my body broken for you too. This is my blood poured out for you too. The one who would betray him and get him killed. He ate with the rest of his disciples too. It wasn't just Peter that fled that night. It was everybody. Except for the women, by the way. They stayed strong. But everybody else freaked out. Time and time again, Jesus eats and eats and eats. I'll tell you something I imagine here. I bet you everyone Jesus ate with did not get saved. But they did have a meal with God. The same God that they would go to the tabernacle to eat with, except they didn't realize he was wearing skin right in front of them. And Jesus continues to call us forward to eat and eat and eat. In fact, so much so that when Jesus is getting ready to die, he creates a new custom. And Jesus, you know, he often broke a lot of customs and religious rules, but then on his way out, he decided to make one. (laughs) This is my body. It was Passover meal. It was the celebration of celebrations when they always ate the same meal every year, remembering what this bread meant, what this lamb meant, what these things meant. And yet Jesus takes the things on the table and he uses food as a reassignment for people to remember who he was. This bread, remember the quickness with which we used to have to run out of Egypt to be saved by God? It's my body now. It's broken for you. This wine glass on the table that we partake of, well, that's me too. That's my blood poured out for you. Do this as often as you eat and drink it. And so Jesus creates a new custom that the early church is going to follow. And so you're going to see glimpses of the early church eating when they get together. Potluck Sunday every Sunday. 
And you think that uh, the early church would have it together, seeing as how well Jesus modeled eating with people, but the early church actually kind of messed this up a little bit. So much so that Paul comes down pretty hard on them, because what he finds out is that uh, the rich people who don't have to do any jobs in the Greek society, they're just well off and they can do whatever they want, would show up to church and start eating all the food and drinking all the wine to the point of actually getting drunk. And then... The poorer people who had been working jobs all day would finally get to church where they would all eat this meal and there'd be nothing left. And so even within the church, they were finding like the ways in which the hierarchy of the world, it was intruding upon the church. And this made Paul very angry because the whole point of eating together in the church, in the Bible, is that we are all the same. Whether Jew or Gentile, free or slave, doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what your race is, your ethnicity is, your socioeconomic status is. When you walk into a church building, everybody is on the same exact level as children of God. Nobody is higher than anybody else. We are all the same. And so when Paul finds out that the, the lines of this world are now infiltrating the church. He comes and he's angry at them. And he recognizes like some of you are eating this in vain and it's going to kill you because of it. Like it's, The food that you are sharing in church is going to become judgment upon you. Because you're eating it incorrectly. <laughs> food. That's a powerful image. How often... Do we find out that we all got food poisoning at our potluck because we didn't eat it right? I mean, I'm kidding, but I don't know, maybe. Do we eat it right? Because even when we did dinner church, I mean, let's be honest with ourselves, it was easy still to eat it wrong. To gather around tables with people that we know. To allow tables to be created where people would be divided up between classes. People would be divided up between races. We had steps forward, of course, but if we're still not proactive in breaking down those walls so that the church can be the multiracial, multi-ethnic bride of Christ that it is, that carries every kind of DNA within itself, if we're not proactive in our lives to do that, we will naturally sit with the people that we are comfortable with. Unlike Jesus, who ate with Pharisees. Unlike Jesus, who ate with Judas. Unlike Jesus... Wait with a tax collector up in a tree. Because for Paul, the way that they saw food working in the early church is it was a holy meal. It wasn't just a potluck, but it was actually the Lord's Supper. Now, when we say the Lord's Supper, we're always thinking of that time that Jesus created communion. But the Lord's Supper was a continuation that happened in the church, that when they gathered together as a church, they had what they called the Lord's Supper. And what they would eat together was all kinds of things. It wasn't just like, ah, oh, the Lord's Supper, let's feast upon bread and wine. No, because man can't live by bread alone, right? Quote Jesus there. They would bring all kinds of dishes, but integrated into their meal during that time was bread and wine. And so the idea was, while we're eating our tacos, our our gyros, whatever we're eating, we also are partaking of bread and wine as the beloved community, recognizing 
that Jesus died for us. But communion does more than that. It doesn't just recognize what Jesus did in the past. Yes, Jesus died for us. But in the present, what communion means is we are all cut from the same loaf and poured from the same glass. So when I share my bread with my brother or sister, I'm remembering you and I are from the same Jesus, saved by the same person, cut from the same loaf. What Jesus has done for us in the past, what is reminding us about the present, and it's pointing forward towards the future, that one day Jesus will come back and we will partake of the greatest feast that there ever was. The wedding feast of the church and Jesus. As they come together, and that final cup of wine that Jesus didn't drink at the Last Supper, he will finally drink at that final feast that is to come. And we'll celebrate like never before. Communion points towards the past, the present, and the future. And so the way that we have kind of incorporated all this into what we're looking to do here at 1208 is to take what we were doing before with dinner church, but be a little bit more specific with it, be a little bit more intent about it, and call it the Lord's breakfast, right? It's not like communion has to be a supper thing. You can have communion at any meal. And so the way in which it will work is we'll have uh, the cereal bar over here that uh, Brian and Maria have been working on. Uh, it's, it's already going to be cool. I've seen some of the images that they've been working on in Polo. And uh, um, people will come, get whatever kind of cereal they want. I think we'll have containers where volunteers can kind of crank out up to eight cereals probably every week, and then we'll replace it when we run out and every other week or so. Um, and then people will go to their tables and they'll sit with strangers and they'll get to know people who are different from them, don't look like them, don't act like them, don't talk like them, curse a little bit too much, throw a few too many punches, and show the love of Christ. Recognizing that they too, if they aren't saved, are worthy of Jesus' body and blood. And if they are saved, that they, of course, are cut from the same loaf as us. They are our brothers and sisters. And we eat with them, whether they get saved or not. And then we'll find either, I'm unsure yet exactly how we'll incorporate it, but communion is going to be integrated in every breakfast. So always expect that we will have our grape juice available and our bread available. It might already be on the tables or it might be at the booth, but you're not going to have me coming up every Sunday to get everybody really sad because now it's time to take communion. Because communion throughout the Bible is also a joyful thing. It's also a party thing. It's a feast type thing. You're just going to find naturally that while you are eating at your table, at some point you will partake of communion and you will do that with those around you. Food follows us all the way from the very beginning of the Bible. Here's the food that I've given you, all these trees that you can eat from all the way to the end. Here's the feast I'm giving you. Come forward and eat of the wedding supper of the Lamb. And it especially follows through Jesus' ministry and the church's ministry. And it reminds us of so many different things. So as we incorporate it into what we're doing here at 1208, I invite you to um, really push yourself this time around, this fashion. Uh, don't sit at the same places. 
Don't get to know the same people every week. Stretch your boundaries. Push yourselves. And show love to your neighbors, whether you like them or not, whether you know them or not. And, and see a little bit more of who they are as we continue to bring them to Christ. I'm excited for this iteration of 1208. Uh, it's been a long season of dryness, I know that. Um, and it's hard to know exactly how quick this whole thing will take off and when it will kick off. I've been telling a lot of friends lately that um, I don't have a lot of visual evidence all the time that we're headed somewhere, but I have a treasure load at this point of spiritual evidence of the things that God is saying over you guys, over this church, where he's taking us. And the most that we can do is just be faithful, right? Uh, to recognize that if he's going to say a prophetic word over these cherry blossoms of renewal that we're walking into, well, he'll provide while we are faithful because he has searched and found and he's found us. And so as we continue to work every single week, not just waiting for a prophetic word to happen, but leaning into it, working towards it every week, we will see our community saved. We'll see people come to Christ. We will see the hungry fed and we will see the poor taken care of. And those who already know Jesus further, more discipled every time. So that is 9 a.m. Why do we eat together? Lots of reasons. And now, you know. The next two weeks, next week we will talk about 10 a.m., which is our church service. Why do we hold church in general? Um, what components of church? You know, like, why don't we just go completely weird and just leave normal church out? Why do we still have some pieces like teaching and worship? And um, things like that. Well, we'll explain that next week. Uh, following week, we'll talk about kingdom ministry. Why do we have this final hour where people come and find clothes and find prayer and find deliverance and find healing? Uh, we'll talk about that as a part of Jesus' ministry as well. So I'm excited to see where this all goes. And uh, I love you guys. You're the ones that make it happen. Church is not me. Church is not this building. The church is the people that make it up. And if you guys were not here, we would not have a church. It does not matter what your size is. You are children of God. And God is capable of doing a lot with just 12 people. So Jesus, we give ourselves to you. And we're excited to see what you have for us. Teach us, grow us, and empower us and embolden us. We know that we won't naturally step out to get to know people that we don't know. We have to push ourselves to do that. Especially because this room is full of introverts. And full of um, uh, Americans. And we are very comfortable with sitting inside watching TV all day. And never getting to know the people who live next door to us. So teach us to be kingdom minded. To think like you. To act like you. To live like you. And to bring the world to you. Starting with this little corner of Jackson. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. You've done seven minutes early. That is your recompense for all the times we've pushed you over over the last month. Recompense, is that the right word? Sure, we'll take it. All right. Have a good night, everybody. We'll catch you soon.